Namanti. Bow down. Yadpada. Whose feet? Niketam. Under. Atmanaha. Own. Shivaya. Welfare. Haniya. Used to bring about. Danani. Wealth. Shatrabaha. Enemies. Katam. For what reason? Saha. He. Viraha. The chivalrous. Shriyam. Opulences. Anga. Oh. Dusyajam. Insuperable. Yuva. In full youth. Aishita. Oh, I'm sorry. Aishita. Desired. Ushrastum. To give up. Aho. Explanation. Saha. With. Asubi. Life. Okay, I'll say the translation and you can read the whole translation and I'll read the whole purport. Translation in purport by Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> he was such a great emperor that all his... would come and bow down at his feet and surrender all their wealth for their own benefit. He was full of youth and strength, and he possessed insuperable, kingly opulences. Why did he want to give up everything, including his life? Fiatalsága és erejeteljében felülmúlhatatlan királyi gazdagsággal rendelkezett. Miért akartánk mindent feladni még életét is? There was nothing undesirable in his life. He was quite a young man and could enjoy life with power and opulence, so there was no question of retiring from active life. There was no difficulty in collecting the state taxes because he was so powerful and chivalrous that even his enemies would come to him and bow down at his feet and surrender all wealth for their own benefit. Maharaj Brikshit was a pious king. He conquered his enemies, 
and therefore the kingdom was full of prosperity. There was enough milk, grains, and metals, and all the rivers and mountains were full of potency. So materially, everything was satisfactory. Therefore, there was no question of untimely giving up his kingdom and life. The sages were eager to hear about all this. Fiatal volt, s minden hatalmával és gazdagságával élvezhette az életet. Föl sem merült tehát, hogy visszavonna tevékeny életről. Nem okozott nehézséget az állami adott begyűjtése sem, mert olyan hatalom volt kezében, és olyan nagy lelkű volt, hogy még ellensége is elmentek hozzá, hogy lábai elé borulva saját érdekükben minden kincsüket nekiadják. Fajéksi Tomarács ilyen volt király volt. Ellenségeit legyőzte, ezért irodalmában jól éthülalkodott. Volt elegendő fej, gabona és érc, a folyók és hegyek pedig mérhetetlen energiát fejtettek. Anyagi szempontból tehát mindenki elégítő volt, ezért föl sem merült, hogy királyságát és életét, életét idő előtt feladja. A bölcsek éltek a vágytól, hogy megtudjanak mindent ezzel kapcsolatban. Namantiyad pára nikétamatmaná, sivája hániyad denáni svattavaha, Katam sabirya shriyam anga dustyajam yudvai sato shastum aho sahasubhi. So what did Maharaj Parikshit have? Mia was Parikshit Maharaj. Somebody remember of the first. Yeah, I'm mixing my kiyamash, but I'm not sure of that. And the Russians can say too, and then you can translate to me in English. Youth, what else? We want to Wealth. What more? That he was unconquerable. What? So, you know, in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna gives Arjuna two different arguments to do his duty. Material and spiritual. If you fight, you will either conquer the earth or heaven. So materially you should be happy that this fighting opportunity has come. And spiritually this is your nature, so it is your duty to offer it in sacrifice. And even if you are above nature, you should do it in service to me because I desire it. So in this verse and tomorrow's verse, the sages are also looking at these two aspects. Today we're looking at the material side. And tomorrow at the spiritual side. So they are saying, why would he give up his duties? Mm -hmm. 
Krishna talks about renunciation in the three modes of nature. But there's no reason for Maharaj Pariksit to have renounced. According to his qualities, he was perfectly suited to do his kingly duty. There was a match between his qualities and his duties. So why should he give them up? And this gives us some wonderful instruction about what we should be doing. In normal circumstances. Now we all know Maharaj Pariksit gave up his duties because there were extraordinary circumstances. But that is not that has not yet been revealed. So this is a little hint that in ordinary circumstances one should do one's duty. This idea that each of us have a duty to perform comes from a philosophy of individuality. On the spiritual platform, we have desire, activity, and individuality. Desire, activity, and individuality. You all remember when Lord Brahma stole away the calves and the boys? You all know that story? All of our Russians know that story. So Lord Brahma comes back and what does he find? Maybe Krishna is switching them really fast. <laughs> so why was Lord Brahma so astonished? He thought, what I am seeing is not possible. Why was it impossible? It was beyond his power. What was impossible? Why was the thing that Brahma was seeing impossible? Uh, because 
two places at the same time. Okay. But it wasn't just the body. They had exactly the same personalities. It wasn't just a copy of the body. Yes, there's only one of each jiva. Each of us are the only one of us. There never was another jiva like me, and there never will be another jiva. Okay. I once heard Shiva explained that each of us has our own flavor of service. There's a certain flavor Krishna tastes only with us. And nobody else. Of course, he can fulfill that desire from his own self. Like he could produce another set of boys and cows. But he prefers to exchange with us. The point is that each of us as a soul is an individual. We have certain desires and talents and abilities that are only ours. Prabhupada says everyone has some extraordinary talent. And certainly that is true on the spiritual level. And what is the perfection of that talent? When it's connected in service with Krishna. But this is also true on the material platform. Even materially, each of us are a unique individual. That's true on the level of the body. No one else will have my fingerprints. Even if I have an identical twin. My particular personality. My particular extraordinary talent. That is just mine. Now our process is to turn our material desires back into their original form of spiritual desires. Our comma into back into prema. But that generally happens over some time. It can happen instantly. But that is very rare. So while we are in that process, we have to do something with the material individuality. My material individuality is not my real self. 
His body is not my real self. And even the personality I have in this life is not my real self. In some lifetimes I may be very quiet. And in some lifetimes I may be outgoing. In some lifetimes I just like to work with my hands. In some lifetimes I'd rather work with my brain. So those things are not eternal. But as long as I have any identification with them, I still need to use them. Tomorrow we'll look at if you no longer have any identification So those things are also given by Krishna. You can say, no, no, it's just my karma. It's just the result of my sinful desires. But I am not independent at fulfilling my desires. Of course, Krishna told Nandamaraj that we are independent. <laughs> he said, you don't need any gift from God or the demigods. You just have your desires and you do your work. And you are the only cause. Uh, the demigods and God, they're just giving automatically like a machine. Uh, but we don't believe Krishna. <laughs> we don't listen to that instruction. <laughs> we know that even our material abilities are gifts from Krishna. Just like our spiritual abilities are gifts from Krishna. One desires to serve Krishna in a particular way. And therefore your spiritual form manifests by His grace. But even materially, I desire to enjoy the world in a particular way. I do the corresponding work. And then Krishna gives me the proper vehicle. So even then, it is a gift from Krishna. And even the material is meant to be engaged in service. So the first step is to identify what is my nature. What gift did Krishna give me? Like a car. We each got an automobile. And each of them worked a little differently. Or maybe some of us got bicycles. 
So my first thing is to figure out what vehicle did I get. Without envy. Oh, he got a boat and I only got a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't waste your time like this. Krishna tells Arjuna, even if you think you can do someone else's duty perfectly, don't. I bet I can make my bicycle act like a boat. <laughs> Please don't waste your energy like this. What vehicle you have has nothing to do with becoming a devotee. You can get to Krishna with an airplane, a bicycle, boat, doesn't matter. Don't think your vehicle is the best. And try to make everyone else be like you. And don't envy anybody else's vehicle. Then you will just get another vehicle. <laughs> But sometimes we think this is very spiritual. I think the airplane is the best vehicle for going back to God. Maybe. But that's not what you have. <laughs> so it is a useless discussion. <laughs> so first thing is identify your vehicle. Now each vehicle is going to be very good at something. And not very good at something. And how do you know? You can see what is it, what kind of actions give you energy? What kind of lifestyle and behavior makes you feel alive? It's like how do you know you put the right fuel into your vehicle? It works smoothly. So when we are using our nature properly, we feel full of energy. Bodily, mentally, emotionally. And when we are trying to do somebody else's duty, it feels difficult. It's like we're forcing something. Of course, even in our own duty, there will be things we don't like. It's not that everything will be pleasing. 
Like you might like taking care of a little baby. But when they vomit all over the floor and you have to clean it up, you probably don't like that part of it. So every service has some parts that you don't like. And it has some parts that are difficult. But you identify what kind of nature do I have. And we understand this, of course, in terms of varna and ashram. But those are very general categories. Just like we say there are five rasas with Krishna. There are five rasas with Krishna. But those are very general categories. In each of those five, there are subcategories. And each of us has our particular relationship. So the varnas means how do you want to work to maintain your body? And that is pretty much constant during your life. The ashrams are a little different. How do you want to satisfy your senses and mind? What kind of ice cream do you like? And that will change during life. So when you're young, generally the ashrams are according to age. So the way one wants to enjoy the world changes. And then you accept the appropriate ashram. Now this is a little secret. Of course, it's in the third, fourth, and fifth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. But most people in the world do not understand this secret. You identify how you want to enjoy the world. And then you pay the appropriate jagya, the appropriate sacrifice. You don't try to mix. So in the modern day, people try to mix ashrams. They say, oh, I very much enjoy having money. I enjoy the association of the opposite sex. I enjoy having my own home. I enjoy having some independence. But I don't want to pay the sacrifice of getting married. Because I also enjoy the, the, the pleasures of single life. I like the freedom. I like the simplicity. I like the freedom to be able to decide where I want to go, when I want to go. 
I like the freedom of just taking care of myself. I like the simplicity of not having very many possessions. So let me take both. I will not do the sacrifice of a renunciate. And I will not do the sacrifice of a family member. I will just take the pleasures from both. But Krishna says without sacrifice you cannot live happily even in this life. And Krishna says by performing sacrifice you get the privilege of enjoying that pleasure. It's like paying for something. So one should also decide honestly what pleasure do I want? Do I want renunciation pleasure? Renunciation is very pleasant. But then you have to pay the appropriate sacrifice. And if you want to enjoy family life, that is also pleasurable. Then you pay that sacrifice. And you don't mix. You don't uh, externally live as a renunciate and secretly try to enjoy family life. And you don't live as a family person and try to secretly enjoy renunciation. That's what they wondered whether or not Maharaj Pariksit was doing. He says he has all the qualities of a Kshatriya and a householder. Why is he taking up renunciation? It's not the right time. He doesn't have the right symptoms. This will cause a problem. And in ordinary circumstances, they would be correct. And then when you're doing the right occupation, you offer the sacrifice to At the lower stages, you offer just the fruit to Krishna. That's when a person still has a very fruitive mentality. They think their happiness is in the fruits. Their happiness is in the result. So then, okay, give that to Krishna. More advanced than that is you give up your attachment to the fruits. 
Can we control the results of our activities? We are one factor. There's another four factors. And one of them is Krishna. And I don't think it's evenly distributed. The five factors. I don't think we have 20%. <laughs> so I cannot control the result. Just like we try to have the tent. The tent. And Krishna said no. You're not going to have the tent. So if you think my happiness is having a tent, uh, then most of your life you will be miserable. Then you're trying to put your happiness in something you cannot control. Then we're always afraid. Also, I don't know what is a good result. How do I know what result is best? Also, results are coming only periodically. I'm spending most of my time working for the result. Then I get a result. And if it's exactly what I wanted, I get to enjoy it for a few minutes. And if it's not what I wanted, I feel all my work is useless. And then again, I'm working. So most of my time, even materially, is just miserable. So a higher level is I'm offering every minute to Krishna. I'm doing my duty and every moment I'm offering what I'm doing to Krishna. And the result is his business. Of course, I would like to give him a nice result also. But that's not in my power. What is in my power is how I am thinking right now. Now let's again look at someone who still identifies with the body. And their desires are not completely spiritualized. They still have a desire for some material kind of sense. So even if you think this doesn't apply to you, that all your desires are completely spiritual, <laughs> and still this is good to know so we can advise others. <laughs> so Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati in his purports to Brahma Samhita says how such a person can completely become
kapcsolat. Elmondja, hogy hogyan tud egy személy, egy ilyen személy teljesen tisztává válni. They first of all have to identify their propensities. Először is azonosítani a kellemeit. That means you're also identifying how do I want to enjoy materially. Ez azt is jelenti, hogy azonosított, hogy energiát hogyan akarok élvezni. This honesty is very important. Ez a nagyon fontos. And then you do that behavior for Krishna. And you pay this sacrifice that goes with the pleasure. If you want the pleasure of the opposite sex, your wife says, oh, you're a hero. And your husband says, you're so beautiful. If you want that pleasure, then you pay that sacrifice. Then you have to tolerate the opposite sex. That sometimes seems they're from like another universe. Yeah, it seems like they're a being from another universe. So you do the sacrifice that goes with the pleasure. And you're thinking, Krishna, I'm giving this to you. I'm having only four sets of clothes to please you. Or I'm taking care of this baby to please you. At every moment. And then Krishna allows you to enjoy. Even materially. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati says you accept this as Prabhupada also says that the manager of a company, he gives something to the workers, you can enjoy this thing. And you feel gratitude. Krishna is so kind. I want to enjoy it this way. I am offering it to him. And he is letting me enjoy it. In his service. That's on a material plane. You feel gratitude. How kind my Lord is. I'm doing a little service. I'm with my material body and mind. And I'm serving according to my material attachment. It's all contaminated. But still Krishna's accepting. And he's kindly giving me prasad. He's giving me a place to live. Food and clothes and friends. Do we have more clothes than we need just to live? Do we have more food than we need just to live? 
And more variety of food than we need. So that's Krishna kindly fulfilling our desire for sense gratification. So we can be peaceful. On a higher level, a person is not just grateful that, oh, Krishna is giving me sense gratification as prasad. But one sees it as an exchange of love. Just like Rupa Goswami explains the six loving exchanges. I'm giving a gift to Krishna. He's giving a gift to both giving and accepting. Please accept Krishna's gifts. That is also part of love. And what will be the result? One will advance spiritually, and one will also have material prosperity. As is explained here in this verse and purport. Maharaj Pritchett was using his propensities properly. He identified his nature. He was using it according to Shastra. He was doing the appropriate Yajna. Taking the appropriate responsibility. And he and the citizens and the kingdom and even his enemies were happy. Even his enemies were giving him their wealth. For their own benefit. So everybody was prosperous. Just like we see here on this farm. You are enjoying a much higher standard of material pleasure than people outside. Even when people buy organic food in the supermarket, it is usually old. One of my sons has a prasadam business. And they make these uh, like energy bars, for understand? And he said most of the food in the market is between 6 and 12 months old. So you're all eating fresh food and real milk. Or like when I went to China, you can't even breathe. You don't even see the sky. You, you can't even tell that, that there is a sky. <laughs> it's just sort of haze. You 
breathes real air. You get to actually touch the soil. So even materially you are prosperous. Suppose you do not properly identify your nature. Suppose you do not properly identify your nature. Or you don't like your nature. You want somebody else's nature. <laughs> so what did Krishna say to Arjuna? He said in the third chapter, and also at the end of the 18th chapter, one of Krishna's final instructions. He said you only have two choices. Use your nature properly or use it improperly. There is no question of not using it. You cannot imitate someone else's nature. You will do it anyway. But it will come out in a way that will give you misery. You will not achieve anything you want. And if you do it for me, Krishna says, you will get everything spiritually and materially. Now, some people don't try to imitate another person's nature. They want to say, I have no nature at all. <laughs> all natures are material. I have no way I want to enjoy the world. <laughs> I don't want to enjoy the world. And then they just become angry. We see sometimes devotees do this. They pretend that they're spiritual when they're not yet. Brahmabhuta Prasanatma, a spiritual person, is very joyful. And Raghunath Das Goswami says the worst thing is deceitfulness. Then you cannot make any advance. So when people just try to deny their material nature, they don't become joyful. They become angry and hard-hearted. Usually they also start offending other people. The comma is the, the comma doesn't turn into prema. <laughs> it turns into krona. <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. So if we want to go back to Godhead and be sane and happy in the process. Then we should be honest about the vehicle that we have. And connect it with Krishna. According to Shastra. Shastra says, you want to enjoy like this? Take this responsibility. And don't be afraid of the responsibility. 
As Krishna also explains in the Bhagavad when you offer everything to Krishna, it all becomes transcendental. Don't be afraid of the tapasya that goes with your nature. If you're going to be a Brahmin, do the tapasya for a Brahmin. If you're going to be a shudra, do the tapasya for If you're going to be a renunciate, do the tapasya for If you're going to be a grahasta, do the tapasya for And if you do it properly, and you give it to Krishna, the tapasya becomes part of the pleasure. You will enjoy your tapasya. Everything will become nice. You will say, where is my tapasya? <laughs> but if you avoid tapasya, and you just try to take the pleasure, it becomes only tapasya. And you will simply be lamenting. And then whatever Krishna gives, you relish the prasad. Even if you're still seeing it materially. If I give you a present, how do I want you to feel? Do I want you to say, yeah? <laughs> I don't want this present. It's material. <laughs> so on the lower stage, you're enjoying the present with gratitude. Which is what Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati recommends. I wanted to eat a peach today. And Krishna gave me a peach. Oh, he's so nice. Thank you, Krishna. And on the higher level, you don't care about the peach. You care about the relationship. And when you're eating that peach, you're not exactly enjoying the peach. You're enjoying the love. The peach is just a vehicle for the love. And therefore, Krishna even gives you a slap. <laughs> you're enjoying the love. <laughs> You no longer care about the vehicle. That is the higher stage. So Maharaj Pariksit was perfectly situated from a material point of view. Therefore, katamwai would he change. And tomorrow we'll look at how he was perfectly situated from a spiritual point of view.
So questions, comments? Corrections. Yes. It's very easy to understand your nature. You actually don't need to read anything to understand your nature. What gives you energy? Sometimes you find that out by association. Sometimes you have a talent that you don't know about. And in association with the proper teacher, it comes out. But it's, it's not a question of studying. Now, why do you need to study the scriptures? In order to learn what is the way to use my nature in sacrifice. What is the corresponding austerity? As far as Manusamhita in particular, Prabhupada often talked about how Manusamhita is the law book. At the same time, there are some things in Manusamhita that are not applicable. So these scriptures have to be read with the commentary and the guidance of the sadhus. that your children are going to be exactly like you. Don't think it's Maya if they have another nature. They're allowed to have their own nature. Every type of personality can be engaged in Krishna's service. We need pujaris who stay in one place for 40 years. There's one pujari like that at Bhaktivedanta. I think like 35 years, he's only gone off the temple property three times. He does the same service every day for 35 years. 
Minden nap ugyanaz a szolgálatot végzi 35 éve. So that kind of personality doesn't want a lot of excitement in their life. That kind of personality, they don't like excitement. Then you have the Hindu Jerusalem. He doesn't sometimes know where he's going to go. He sometimes he doesn't know where he's going to go to. He's not doing the same thing. So two very different kinds of natures. Opposite. What is the name of that devotee name? Jiva something. Jiva Pitsi. So opposite natures. But they're both devotees. So allow your children to have their own nature. And then you want to give them, oh, I should also say, see the good in their nature. Every nature has its positive things. Now that may be easy if they have the same nature as you. Because unless you have some sort of psychological problem, you probably think that your nature is nice. Some people hate their nature. But most of us see just the good sides of our nature. And we don't see the weaknesses. And if your child has a very different nature, your weakness may be their strength. So you want to see the strengths of their nature. Like one lady wrote me an email, my daughter is very stubborn. She won't listen to me. I think she was like three years old. And I said, <laughs> she says, I'm always trying to force her to obey. But the more I try to force her, the more rebellious she becomes. I said, you're so fortunate that you have a child who has a lot of determination and won't do things just because other people tell them to. Then later on when she grows up and people tell her to drink and smoke and have illicit sex, She'll say no. <laughs> I said, now the question is how to guide that nature. That's a bigger discussion than we have time for right But see the strengths and the benefits in your child's nature. Sometimes it's potential benefits. So I had one student, a little boy. He had so much energy. 
Monday and Wednesday I would work. And during Tulsi worship, he would run around Tulsi. Do you And the devotees would complain to him. So now he's 20, I think. And uh, he's in the 24 hour kirtan in Vrindavan. And his, his father is running the MBT restaurant. I said, well, now that he's a child, he doesn't know what to do with this So it's coming out in disturbing ways. But someday he'll channel that So probably once he's about 12, he'll start to see that it gets channeled. And we want energetic people. You see their strengths. And that you want to give a young child a broad range of opportunity. Because some parts of nature are obvious. But some only come out in certain circumstances. Or with the right teacher. We want to give them a range of opportunities. important qualities of an Uttama Adhikari that he doesn't want to criticize. So the ideal society is a Vaikuntha society. I appreciate the gifts that Krishna has given me. And I appreciate the gifts he's given to each There's no envy. I have no desire to criticize So how to do that is an art. You see the, the, the strengths of other people's nature. Every weakness is also a strength. And every strength is also a weakness. 
it depends what you're doing with it. It's like every enjoyment is an austerity, and every austerity is an enjoyment. It depends on your use. Just like if you renunciate and all of your possessions fit in one little box. That's a great pleasure. And it's a great austerity. So if someone has a nature that likes change and excitement, they thrive on risk. Is that a strength or a weakness? Depends what they do with it. If they go preach in Albania, then it's a strength. You know, if you have them do the accounting, it's a weakness. A very big weakness. <laughs> so you, it depends how you, how you want to see something. They are bad accountants. But they're a good creature. And another key, I just give you very briefly. In order to appreciate, you really have to notice. You have to pay attention to what people are doing. Especially you have to notice their austerities. Usually the only person notices our austerities. And then, at least in your mind, you should be grateful for that person that they're doing that as. Anyway, maybe sometime we can have a seminar on the, the science of appreciation. I just did that in Munich and in Nuwaka Chakra. In Munich, in Germany, and in a farm in Slovakia. Okay, I think we should end. Thank you very much. If I said anything that you don't like, please ignore it. If I, if I said anything that you find useful, then thank you. All glory is to you. All glories to the translator. Translators. <laughs>